WebmasterRadio.fm. Live from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, it's SC Gurus. a rainmaker? Webster's defines a rainmaker as a person whose influence can initiate progress or ensure success. SC Guru's Rainmaker comes to you each Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, bringing you some of the biggest rainmakers on the World Wide Web. Our guests will include major search engine executives, payment processors, advertising executives, and an array of sales and marketing pros. We invite you to join your host, Darren Pappen, also known as Essie Guru and his beautiful co-host, Brandy. Essie Guru is the foremost authority on search engine optimization and has taught at conferences worldwide. Brandy is an expert in business development, public relations, and sales and marketing. Together, they bring you Rainmaker, a true crossover platform for mainstream and high-competition webmasters alike. Log into the chat, kick back, and get ready to open yourself up to a new generation of Webmaster Radio. It's Essie Guru and Brandy, and you're listening to from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's Essie Gurus. Rainmaker. What is a rainmaker? Webster's defines a rainmaker as a person whose influence can initiate progress or ensure success. SC Guru's Rainmaker comes to you each Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, bringing you some of the biggest rainmakers on the World Wide Web. Our guests will include major search engine executives, payment processors, advertising executives, and an array of sales and marketing pros. We invite you to join your host, Darren Pappen, also known as SC Guru and his beautiful co-host, Brandy. Essie Guru is the foremost authority on search engine optimization and has taught at conferences worldwide. Brandy is an expert in business development, public relations, and sales and marketing. Together, they bring you Rainmaker, a true crossover platform for mainstream and high-competition webmasters alike. Log into the chat, kick back, and get ready to open yourself up to a new generation of webmaster radio. It's Essie Guru and Brandy, and you're listening to well, so there you have it, folks. It is another Thursday, and would you believe it? We are, what, honey, on our second show of the year already. And, uh, boy, the, the energy and the vibe has been great already for 2006. We kicked it off with uh, Scott Hornstein for 2006, and, and what an interesting guest he was. Truly, truly. I mean, his background with... Uh really raising, raising uh, ROI and conversion for some of the largest heritage brands in the world. And, and just the whole, you know, like, you know, the, the, the wonderful tie-in is the fact that he's also a writer, which, you know, kind of ties into tonight as well. This is very true. This with is part two true. of, you know, the amazing interview that, uh, that we had with Michael and Margaret Corda and, uh, you know, the, the, the fantastic dynamic duo collaborator Writers extraordinaire. Would, would that be, you know, like appropriate? Would that be appropriate? I like that and more. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I always say, unfortunately, I've got a great body for two people. I could be my own personal cheerleading squad for this couple. Um, I, I just, Michael and Margaret Quarter, for those of you that do not know, although I cannot imagine anyone not knowing this, um, have collaborated on several wonderful books, um, and they really pursue their own passion and the fact that they love cats. And uh, Margaret's actually a uh, professional eventer, horse eventer, and she knows how to keep a horse at home, which... Uh, Apparently is a big task. Well, I, especially, I mean, how do you get sheets to fit the horse in the bed? It's, a, you, know, it's a, you know, the whole feng shui thing, I'm sure it can be a little confusing at times. But um, truly a remarkable couple in the fact that they've been married um, a very long time, I think, by American standards, and they've both just lived very, very full and uh, a wonderful lives, both as individuals and together as a couple. Indeed, indeed. And uh, can I tell you, uh, is it just me or has it been a busy week? 
It's been a really busy week. <laughs> it is. And would you believe it, folks? We are we're actually doing Rainmaker live from uh, uh, an event here down in the heart of Fort Lauderdale um, at a place called District 435. Uh, an amazing happening here with uh, one of our newest show hosts, uh, Miss Nani Vinken, who will be on the air starting tomorrow with a brand new program called The Fringe. And uh, we're really excited about that. So you'll be able to tune in tomorrow and uh, kind of get the cool hip happenings on, uh, on uh, how, how would you put it? Honey, it's it's a you know, twist on um, design and what's cool and trendy and you know uh, what she takes our our very busy hectic lifestyle and brings a couple of things. One um, very very quickly, um, Nani is also the star of TLC's uh, award winning show In a Fix, and she literally is the designer's designer as a. As I, as I put it, she's an amazingly, remarkably talented person. So she'll take some time to help you, you know, create space for you to live in that really does make you feel better because sometimes we don't realize um, how the space that we have, we just sort of settle for where we are and not even spending a dime can put us in a much better frame of mind. And um, she's just very, very cool. So she'll inject some cool hip stuff, take you to the fringe as it were, and uh, you know, give you that, that injection of cool that's going to allow you to have that very interesting conversation at cocktail parties and business soirees and make it a little bit easier for you to do some networking. I love that. An injection of coolness. Injection. Uh, I need an injection two, of caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know what? We're not going to drag uh, drag our feet on this. We're going to yeah. we're going to run away really quick, and I promise it'll be quick. Quick, quick, because we're, these are like my favorite people. No, I know, I know. I Let can't me, wait folks, any I tell you, you know, if if you guys know Brandy, you know, to to see her like you know jumping up and down and and climbing literally the walls to the ceiling, um, you know, for um, you know, uh, an interview for you know how would I, I just it's I, I more than it an interview. Just, Take a commercial and let's come like, right back with the quarters. Brandy is just like she always. She's she, I love her energy. That's why I married <laughs> the woman. <laughs> I love her. I anyway, love stay with us, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, Michael and Margaret Corda. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality, measurable traffic to your site. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com. Turning your future into a fortune. Katie Kempner.
commercials off. Now back to Rainmaker. And we are back. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to our incredible production team. Of course, you know, I know Miss Katie Kempner didn't know she could rap. (laughs) (laughs) That cracks me up still. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Now, um, uh, you know, before we get off into this interview, Michael, Margaret, you there? You with us? We're here. Oh, fantastic. Now, I I happen to know personally that that y'all did an amazing thing this week. Y'all... Y'all, y'all sent my wife a beautiful bouquet because it was her birthday. Well, it was our pleasure. And can I just say that she 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 has another surprise that I'd like you guys to be a part of. She doesn't know this is happening, Uh-oh. right? Um, but Mr. Producer, if you could do me the honor, I I I'd, I'd like that. Go ahead and roll oh, that for I'm me. Oh, scared. Hi, Brandy. It's Miko here, calling from Denmark. I just wish you a very good birthday and have a very good day. Hey, Brandy. It's Katie Kepner, and I just want to wish you the happiest, happy birthday. Have a wonderful day. All my love. Hey, Brandy. It's Brian Eisenberg, Wizards of Web. We love you. You are awesome. Happy birthday. Uh, Keep making it rain. Hi, Brandy. This is Tim. Happy birthday. I'm wishing you the best in 2006. Hey, Brandy, honey, it's the oil man here wishing you a happy birthday. Here you're turning 29 again. That's fantastic. Wish you all the best for the next year, and I love what you're doing on the network. All right. Hey, Brandy, happy birthday. You are one of the greatest people in the world. And let me tell you, if Darren is not coming over there and giving you those foot massages, I will make it right, baby. Hi, this is Greg Bozer, a.k.a. Monkey Boy. Wanted to call in and wish Brandy a very, very happy birthday. Love you. Okay, happy birthday, Brandy, from Mark and Parney. Parney says happy birthday to the biatch, or the wretched woman, as the case may be. Brandy Babin, this is Monty. All of us at Moniker.com wish you a very happy birthday. It's been a pleasure working with you over the last uh, couple years, and we really appreciate all that you've done for us. As your Domain Masters radio host, uh, I wish you the very best birthday. We love you here at Moniker. Take care. Hey, Brandy. Denstar here. Hope you have a rockin' birthday. Love ya. Hey, Brandy, this is Sarah Mizright, wishing you a super fabulous birthday. Hey, Brandy, this is David. Everybody at Pure Web loves you. Happy birthday. Brandy, Webmaster Radio Mistress, have an excellent birthday. Chris Tolls at Next Stuff Now, thank you very much for a great year. And again, have an excellent birthday. Hey, Brandy, this is Greg from Good Karma. I hope you have an excellent birthday. Happy birthday Hey, Brandy, this is Mark, also known as Mr. Producer. I hope uh, Darren gave you everything uh, you wanted for your birthday, and if uh, not, I know you can get some Viagra real cheap. Happy birthday! Hey, Brandy, it's Eddie here, Mr. Intern. I'm the cooler, whatever you want to call me. I want to wish you a happy birthday and let you know that I appreciate everything you've done for me. Happy birthday, Brandy. It's George. Sorry, I don't have enough time to have fun because i got to go back to work. Happy birthday, Brandy. Honey, happy birthday. As Danny said, you're 29 again, and you touch so many people's lives, and you are my one true love, and you should know how much that I love you, as does everyone else. Happy birthday, sweetheart. I love you very much. Well, so there you have it. Wow. <laughs> you people. Are, that was really overwhelming. That was really overwhelming. Thank you for sharing that with me, Mike, Michael and Margaret. Thank you to the production team and everyone out there that that uh, called in with their well wishes. Wow. I, you know, I was saying to Michael on the phone the other day, I am feeling so blessed. I think that we can all get caught up 
in the bad stuff or what we consider to be the bad stuff in our life. And when you have people whom you really respect, respecting you and giving love to you, like my phenomenal husband, like my tremendous staff, like are amazing. I mean, every single one of my show hosts are complete industry leaders in their own right. I, I'm, 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 I'm uh, humbled. <laughs> Being on the same network as them and my friends, I, I, I'm feeling this is like the most blessed week for me. And if there's one mantra that I could ever just portray to people is unconditional love and um, really appreciate it when, when someone shows you a kindness because that's what life is really about. So that was really, thank you very much, Darren. That was really nice. Oh, you know what? And, and you know, she's in there, she's in there <laughs> crying. You're like killing me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with, with that, um, you know, I, Brandy and I discussed this, um, you know, uh, about you guys, Michael and Margaret, that, you know, we definitely felt this extreme, you know, kindred spirit between you know between us as couples because you know for those of you listening in tonight that may not have caught uh, part one part two commences and um, you know uh, there was definitely this 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 um, amazing sense of um, you know collaboration and um, understanding and and love that um, you know we heard in your voices and um, you know uh, I I, I think that was one of the things that, that you know, when, when Brandy, you know, hung up after the interview the first time, she was just like, wow. <laughs> there was just one word. I'm that, so that, glad. That, yeah, you know. So well, thank you for coming back again tonight, and thank you for being a part well, of uh, Brandy's me. birthday. Thank you. Oh, so it's, since it's a Brandy week, I'm going to continue. Listen, all I want to do is talk to the quarters, but I'm, I'm going to talk over you for one last time. We're just going to jump right into this one. Since it's a Brandy week and everyone's done everything wonderful for Brandy, um, I'm going to make this yet still about Brandy, although it benefits everybody. <laughs> We're just going to jump right into this one. Michael and Margaret Corda have agreed to host their own radio show right here on webmasterradio.com. Oh, that's an amazing thing. That's, 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 that's amazing. And, and we're very, very honored. Well, we're very honored to have been asked, and we're very, um, you know, a little apprehensive because we've never done anything like this. And you know the amazing thing about doing this is, you know, when when you when you sit down um, on the telephone like we are now, um, that's the cool thing about it. You know, a lot of people they they you know they think about doing this, and you know, I guess kind of it's kind of like editing a book, Michael. You know, you you kind of get a science down to it. You know what you're looking for, and you understand how to how to go about doing it, and it just flows. Well, up to a point, that's true. Really, you know, over the years and. I've been doing it for nearly 50 years. The most important thing to know as a book editor is when to do nothing. Right. <laughs> this is true. Right. Uh, it, 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 I know that sounds paradoxical, but it's absolutely true. Is that you have to be able um, to recognize when what you're reading works and doesn't require anything of you. And in that case, the less you do, the better you are. Um, I remember reading the original manuscript of, of Charles Portis's True Grit, which was later made into a very successful movie. Wow. And saying to myself, because I was very, a very young editor in those days, well, I've got to produce reams and reams of notes and suggestions. And then I read the manuscript again, and I said to myself, you know something? <laughs> That's nonsense. This book is perfect. Right. Sure, don't take, sometimes perfect. don't take yourself so seriously. Okay, you've written a masterpiece and forget about it. So, I mean, it varies. Sometimes you have to uh, Sometimes the right thing to do is nothing. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and that's the thing is, is when you think about it, you know, I've told people, I've said, you know what, when, when you do this, you know, um, a great, a great example, you know, Katie Kempner, who is, um, with Crispin Porter McGusky, you know, one of the world's most awarded ad agencies out there. No, no, they are the world's most awarded advertising agency. Okay. There we go. The most awarded, um, it, it, you know. Katie comes in and, you know, she has all these amazing contacts all over the place and she's such a vibrant individual, but the, the, the mere thought of doing her own show was like, oh my God, you know, I, I can't, you know, I don't know if I could do this. 
and it was, you know, we, we sat down, we had lunch, and, and it was like, you know, hey, Katie, listen, this is really, really simple. Um, you know, you're just going to have a conversation. And after, you know, and this is just my experience as, as doing this, after your third or fourth time at doing this, you find your groove. And all of a sudden, you know, you, the um, the surrounding elements of what you're doing just they just happen. And I'm sure that that you guys can attest to, you know, you know, gosh, the collaborations that you've done together. You know, Margaret having done, you know, a model. Like, you know, there had to have been times where, you know, you were just like scared to death. But you know, all of a sudden, there there had to come a time when it just snapped in you um being a model was rather easy for me was it well because i didn't have to go the route of most models i didn't belong to an agency or anything right my ex-husband was a, a photographer so i sort of went along and i was one of his models or model in a huge amount of the commercial print work that he did um, I modeled for airlines, liquor companies, travel, you know, wow. uh, tourist boards. Um, so for me, it wasn't um, too tough. Well, you know, but you have a natural flair for it, Margaret. You can't even sit down in a chair ungracefully, and that helps a lot. Um, and you're photogenic, and that helps a lot. Well, that's um, kind of you to say so, but... Um, it, it wasn't, I mean, I didn't have to go and belong to an agency and have headshots done and do all of that. And oh, you didn't? How did you, I mean, how did you skip that process? Well, it wasn't necessary. I mean, he, he had a huge volume of work, mm-hmm. and a lot of it needed models, and I was, I guess, appropriate for what they needed. There you go. So he was able to slip you right in. And I was right in. There you go. And then obviously, and, you know, I mean, it was all location stuff. Oh, fabulous! Which was great because oh. we traveled nine months of the year, and it was great. Now, what did you get older? You know, you don't want to do that. Oh, it's a very tough. It's a very tough thing to do. I mean, uh, some people love the traveling, and some people love the excitement, and some people love the glamour. But the truth of the matter is, when you look at the model business from the outside, one of the most striking things about it is how rapidly it uses up the people who are good at it. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a very very um, very very tough profession. Oh, I'm sure it's, it's it's highly competitive. I think that people don't realize how how much time is involved, how much patience is involved, how much composure is involved, and also you know how much time is involved in that ridiculous thing of worrying about your hair, your weight, skin. <laughs> Sounds like my daily routine. (laughs) (laughs) Did you enjoy it at the end of the day? I mean, the neat thing is is you have the ability to say, you know what, when you get older, you don't want to travel that much. But the neat thing is you can say that because you have traveled so much. Yeah, it's absolutely right. I can say that because I did it. I mean, I traveled nine months of the year for many years. And though it may have been stressful at the time, I'm really happy to have done it. Well, because it's something, it allows you, you know, we discussed this on the last one, you know, the more the more people you meet, the more places you go, the more you understand about yourself and others around you. Yeah, very true. You know, and, and I think that's what's so neat is because you are such an utterly um, definite person today. You know, and, and, and we didn't, I mean, he didn't just do um, commercial stuff. I mean, he was doing a lot of... He traveled with Bobby Kennedy on his last campaign before he was assassinated, so I was along on that for part of that. So a lot of that stuff was very interesting. It is very interesting, but I don't like him, so let's not talk about this anymore. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, honey, before we get any farther, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're, we're going to do a quick phone change because I see in the chat room that, that uh, they're having one small technical difficulty, and we're going to call the quarters right back. So we're going to take a quick break, folks, because I want to make sure that everyone can hear perfectly clearly and, and pristinely because this is most definitely not an interview to be missed. So Hi. stay with us, folks. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, this interview continues with Michael and Margaret Corda. And we should hang out.
For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality, measurable traffic to your site. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N. I-K-E-R dot com. More than a name. $6 million, $2.2 million, $4 billion, $6 million. Then just kick an ass with the main name. Monty, 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 Monty. What's uh, what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. About one hundred and fifty grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by Rent.com and Shopping.com for a combined one point four billion dollars. Monty, 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 the master of your domain. Monty. Literally, probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. So glad that you're here. So let's talk. I know when, when we chatted earlier today, we were talking about, and I, I'm, I'm putting out a challenge to um, the listening audience because Michael and Margaret have so many topics that they can discuss. And we always say our network is for you and by you. So please uh, email production at webmasterradio.fm and let the production staff know what it is that you would like Michael and Margaret to talk about. Um, but I know right now you kids actually just had the joy of watching the Golden Globe Awards, and a very dear friend of yours um, has written a book that Michael was an editor for that was made into a major motion picture. Well, I've been uh, Larry my first editor. Well, first for, of all, Larry didn't write. No, he didn't write. It's he wrote basic, the screenplay. He wrote the screenplay. Oh. <laughs> it's based on Annie Proulx, a short story by Annie Proulx. Um But I have to say that wonderful as Annie Proulx is as a writer, that you only have to look at Brokeback Mountain or listen to Brokeback Mountain for five minutes to hear Larry Mercury in, in every line of dialogue. Um, and I, yes, I've been Larry Mercury editor for what, Margaret, 30 years? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe more. Um, so it was very thrilling for me to see him and Diana, um, his Parker, um, up there at the Golden 
Globes are accepting an award for the screenplay, and I, I hope they will be accepting an award for the Academy as well when that when that takes place. Um, it's just it, you know people always say uh, it's an old Hollywood saying: "It's not enough to succeed; your friends have to fail." Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I've always pressed because I'm an editor. Done <laughs> quite differently, which is that that it's nice to succeed, but I also want my friends to succeed as well, and so it's. A real pleasure for me to see Larry up there at his age, which is about the same as mine, accepting a totally out-of-place award and knowing that he's probably the only person in the entire room who's wearing a a dinner jacket and a black tie and a pair of scuffed cowboy boots. That's elegant. I think that's the way it should be. That's elegant. And it's genuine. Well, truly. But it's, it's, it's nice. It's from, you know, it, that's the era that I was brought up in. It's such a wonderful film in any case. I think Margaret and I both were absolutely bowled over by it. We saw it up here. We've been invited to the premiere of it by Larry and Diana, but it coincided with the night at the Four Seasons in New York that was my retirement party. Uh, we just couldn't make it. Um, but uh, it, it, was just, you know, it was just a riveting moment. I mean, we found ourselves just grasping each other's hands sweatily for a two hours, um, uh, totally entranced. You couldn't take your eyes off the screen. And, I, you know, normally, my objection to going to the movies, and Margaret's objection as well, is that audiences are so noisy, and they talk to each other, and they chew popcorn, and they, you know, it, it was a constant kind of source of annoyance um, in going to the movies. This time, going to the movies, there was not hours and sound. Club, a sound and there wasn't even a sound when the movie was over people just sat in their seats and stared at the screen wow Total silence that's a wonderful sign that happens so rarely it, it, it is now I, I mean i i remember i remember that happening only you know one time in a film and i must confess i haven't I, i've not seen this yet I, I the buzz is just crazy on it right now though i i've, I've got you know several other shows that have been discussing this and you know so you know brady and i've just been so swamped of course it was her birthday so <laughs> we're not going to the movies on the birthday but the, the buzz right has just been tremendous now the buzz is, the buzz is tremendous and i i think it's it's I don't know what you've heard, but the two things I hear all the time is I hear women saying to me, oh, I want to see it, but I can't get anybody to go with me. Or... Now, why do you think that is? Or I hear... I had a couple in front of me in the movies and we were wa watching something else this week say... She said, I want to go and see it. And he said, I'm not going to any movie about gay cowboys. Right, right. And that's the thing. You think that's the thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gay cowboys. You know, that cowboys are meant to be... Um, oh, they're meant to be the Marlboro Man. Exactly. And they're not meant to be this. And this is a this is a story of the depth and agony of this love story. It's gut wrenching. I think the thing about it that's really striking is that what it's about is not being gay. What it's about is falling in love. They happen to be two people who fall in love in a totally inappropriate way for their time and circumstance, which they know is unacceptable everybody around them but there it is they have fallen in love and they will be in love with somewhat dire consequences because we don't want to give the story over, away over 20 for the, years for the rest of their lives wow. basically and the, the fact that they're both men is really enormously secondary of course it, it's what makes the buzz and it what makes, it's what makes it exciting and it what, it's what makes, makes people write about it but the truth of the matter is it's about the irrationality and the irresistibility of falling in love, and 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 nothing you can do um, will make it simpler or easier. And that, or we'll change it. Or we'll change it. It's very much like Romeo and Juliet, in the sense that when Romeo and Juliet fall in love, they know once they know who each other is that they should uh, that be it's impossible. It cannot be accepted. Their families will destroy it, um, and it will destroy them. But they can't stop it. It's the most important thing in their lives, the only thing in their lives. And this this movie is essentially that. You know, the fact that they happen to be both men, you accept. And I think that's what's extraordinary about the audiences. The audiences accept 
very rapidly, as if it were really, were really a secondary matter. See, I think that's so important in today's day and age. I mean, first of all, because I, I know that there's been some men that say, you know, I'm not going to this movie. But for the men and women who have gone to the movie that maybe, maybe have preconceived notions, like you said, because of the buzz, mm-hmm. but to sit there and be in the story, not about the people. Not about, it, no, it is, it's the story. You know, you're swept up in the story. Right, and um, it doesn't matter whether it's, it's two men, two, two women, women, a man and yeah. a woman. I'm sure it's one of those things where people could almost identify or be almost thankful that they can identify because to be put in a situation where they can't be together because it's yeah. not the right time or place is a horrible, dreadful thing. And I think it's neat. Um, you know, as Darren said, we haven't, we haven't seen the movie, but I do think it's neat to be able to continue to push the envelope a little bit so that people can understand mm-hmm. um, the difference between you know, being prejudiced and just being in love. Right. Yeah, and also these both men are not only very interesting and very touching, but they are very, very because this is very typical of Larry McMurtry. They are both firmly rooted in what they are. I mean, both of them ride rodeo. One of them is a very successful bull rider. Mm-hmm. When they're both young, he's not successful. Well, he, he's not uh, successful. But he's a bull rider. He's a bull rider. He breaks yeah. every no, boat. That's right. He's not successful. He marries a rodeo, a, a, a barrel racer. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's no, there's no sense in which they don't live up to what their, what the demands of their professions and their lives are. They're 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 guys who can shoot and ride and look after cattle and look after sheep and that's their life. But you know, in this kind of totally astonishing moment, they fall in love with you with each other and. It's 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 quite marvelous to see. It's 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 so understated and so powerful that um, uh, you know you, you you want to stand in the street and shout to people, go see this movie. God, I love that. What a wonderful endorsement. And you know, I think we're all looking for amazing, amazing movies to see, oh. especially something that you know. Aren't could... we? They're they're very few and far between. <laughs> I solve that problem. When, I, when there aren't any amazing movies, I replay my family's movies. Now, let me ask you this, right? But Margaret's not necessarily one who will sit and watch Now, you had mentioned that, that you know, the, the audience was just, it was utterly hushed. Yes. Yeah, totally. It was. But, I mean, the audience, I think, it depends. I mean, there are different audiences I've heard, you know, in different places. But this is not a young audience, by right. any means. This is this is certainly n- no young people, right? Um, but this audience quietens down very fast. I I, I was going to to liken how you describe this, and I, you know I, I I'm I don't know you know I, not having seen the movie, hearing you describe the audience, you know, go as quiet as as they did. That reminds me of. How I experienced Saving Private Ryan. Really, At the very end of the movie yeah. when you know when when it just you know they faded to black, mm-hmm. and the audience was utterly somber and no one moved. The credits rolled and everyone just sat there and no one budged. Sign of a good movie. Yes, and that that was to me when I heard you say that. That's what came flooding back in my head was, you know, this was you know a, a movie that shocked people. It was more graphic than what people expected. You know, the first half hour was just extremely graphic, but extremely real. I thought the first half hour was the best. I did too. Well, that that's reality, and that's that was that was real life occurring, uh, you, you know, as as best depicted on the big screen, um, you know, and you know, I think you you would agree that um, you know America is a, a country that has been shielded from a lot of the realities of of what goes on out there. Oh, very and, much so. Yeah, we just want to be entertained. Yep. And you know this is you know from from the sounds of it something that uh, <laughs> again uh, obviously a great movie. There's someone in, in the chat room right now, um, you know, saying that uh, they they helped with a promo recommending the movie and uh, saw it today and and saying you know best movie of 2006. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
But there are movies that are, and I think they're very important, that make people confront reality of one kind or another. I mean, I, 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 I think Saving Private Ryan in many ways was, I think, I think even though I didn't like all of it, uh, I published the book. Um, oh. uh, that's uh, Spielberg's... Um, uh, Munich. No, I was thinking no. of, of Schindler's List. Oh, Schindler's List. Was a I movie was that of. brought people face-to-face, however artificially it was done, with the reality of what happened to the Jews in Europe between 1939 and 1945. And, and anything that does that is, first of all, a good thing, and secondly does tend to make people take a deep breath and remain silent afterwards, because by and large we're shielded from those realities, whatever they are. I mean, the realities of, uh, it's odd. I mean, we don't want to give away any of us what happens in Brokeback Mountain, but the truth of the matter is that, too, has a sort of tragic undertone and overtone. You know it's not going to turn out well. Uh, In much the same way that, you know, Romeo and Juliet isn't going to turn out well. Right, but it's life. And it's it's important for people. Mm -hmm. People have to be confronted with things that don't turn out well. This is a nation that's been been schooled, and it's still being schooled by the President's administration, to believe constantly that everything turns out well and it's fine. P.S. it doesn't, you know. (laughs) Tragedies happen. New Orleans is a typical example. Uh, You can't look at it and, and not see that as a terrible tragedy. Uh, and any movie that can, that can make you confront that is, is, is good, I think. I, I agree with you, and it's, really, it's, it's, it's not funny, but when Darren was talking about Saving Private Ryan, I was thinking of Schindler's List. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially the reality at the end when you know, they were ready to roll the credits and all of you know, some of the people that Schindler saved or, or their descendants mm-hmm. were dropping the flowers off. I mean, right. talk about taking something that was seemingly fictional with some of your favorite actors and actresses, and, and you know, you're reacting to a, a screenplay and good acting, and then putting a hard-pressed reality on top of that. I mean, it was amazing. And I do think, you know, we, we always, I always have conversations with my friends about, well, you know, what's, what's better? Is it better to go to a movie that's entertaining to take your life, you know, your mind off of life, or is it more important to go to... Um, a movie where you're actually coming out with something. And I, I think that they both have their merits. So they both oh, have absolutely. their No question about it. I mean, The Producers is a perfect example of a movie that takes your mind off everything in the world for two and a half hours. Nothing wrong with that. No, which is... Um, I mean, you can't... You, you'd have to be a real a real psychopath to come out... Not to right, not, so not wanting to go dance down the street. <laughs> um, uh, but there's a place for both kinds of things. But every once in a while, I think people have got to be brought up face-to-face with some kind of reality, and um, a movie that can do that powerfully is quite an extraordinary thing. Well, and you know what? I agree with you. I think so, too. And I think one of the primary parts is, you know, um, I always say, you know, Brandyism number 764, never be jealous of anyone because you don't know what happens when they go home and close their door, and you don't know what they see when they look in the, in the mirror in the morning. And I think people walk around thinking, oh, my God, this happened to me. It's not happening to anyone else. And when you watch something that whether or not, you know, in, in, in Brokeback Mountain, if you're, you know, has nothing to do with being, you know, if you're gay, great, if you're not, fine. But it's about something, it doesn't turn out okay, but it's two people pursuing something that's meaningful for them or doing the right thing or doing the right thing and no matter what, it just doesn't work out. It allows you to know that you're not the only person out there that has bad things. Mm-hmm. And also to remind yourself of just, you know, the sheer fact of history repeats itself. If you keep reminding yourself of history, it's not as likely to happen again. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, uh, I think that there are books that do that. Uh, most of the books that I prefer in some way do that. And, and I, I'm, I'm not somebody over all the years of my being an editor who has ever liked books necessarily with a happy ending. I don't mind them, and there are a lot of very good novels that do have happy endings. But, um, but I don't think they ring as true as novels that have at least an ambivalent ending, if you see what I mean. And uh, and I feel that way about everything. It's just... Well, I, I do hope, Michael, you don't think we're going to have an ambivalent ending. No, no, ending. we don't. We, no, no, we're not. No, and neither are they. None of the four of us is going to have an ambivalent <laughs> ending. But on the whole, when you read books, it's the, it's the books with the ambivalent ending that leave you sort of undecided whether it's good or bad that are the best books and the books that have the most effect on you. Uh, 
and I've, I've, I've always felt that when I'm reading fiction. Now, now, you know, with that statement in mind, you know, I've heard Brandy, you know, like Wicked, for example. You know, she, Wicked, she, yeah. she, I, she's been hauling this book around, and she's like, okay, I'm trying to get through this, and I have a lot invested in this, because this is supposed to be, like, you know, a book among books. And, you know, with that, you know, with your last statement... You know, do, 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 I mean, do you find that to be true? Do, do you find that sometimes that you ju- you do have to push through for the impact of of, of that through. that written word, or or for the screenplay that that's just bowls you over right at the end? Well, I, it depends what you mean by being pushed through. I will only push through a book that doesn't arrest my attention if I'm being paid to read it. That's fair enough. True. <laughs> if I'm being paid to read it, then I'm being paid to. If, I, if on the other hand it's a question of reading it because I bought it or because I want to read it, I never feel any shame after five or six pages and saying the hell with this um, and, 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 and passing on. I mean, it's, it's, it, in other words, I think it's the author's job to grab your attention, not the reader's job to fix his or her attention on the book. And if the author can't do that, then the author can't do that. I'm not saying that it might not grab somebody else's attention. Right. But if it doesn't grab mine, I don't feel obligated from plugging away. That's Brandy, interesting. You didn't that's interesting. Like I mean, there's someone in the chat room that's actually saying that uh, his wife has him by the short and curlies and is asking for, you know, you, you to take this assessment and, and you know, to, to see if they got the message here. Was the overall statement of broke back? Did, did it seem to be you know, live and live for t- today, ignore society. Was that the message that, that they were going for? I don't think so. Do you, Michael? No. No, I don't think... I, I don't think it will cross these these particular characters' minds. I mean, live for today and, and forget... No. I, I mean, I don't think they could help themselves. Uh, and also, they're both, which is typical of them, very serious, solidly grounded characters. Um, they have, they remain, and that's one of the most interesting things I think about the movie is that they remain mm-hmm. totally serious Western cowboys, professional cowboys, with a very, very masculine, strongly masculine sense of of their worth and of their responsibilities. Their family, uh, their children. They're family guys. They're guys who respect courage. They're guys who, you know, take a pride in their marksmanship and their horsemanship. Um, they're guys who ride the rodeo. Um, they're, they're, they're solid, serious guys, except they happen to be... In love. In love with each other. Right. But it, it, in no way does it make a difference to their, to their judgment of their own... Persona. Worth as right. as, 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 as human as beings. Um, uh, they see they 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 they're molded. They are. I don't know how familiar you are with, for example, um, Lonesome Dove, um, probably the best television miniseries ever made, based on Larry McBurney's novel, which won the Pulitzer Prize. Wow. But they are Gus and Call, except for the difference that whereas Gus and Call are over many 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 years so close friends that they actually eliminate the women in each other's lives. <laughs> but, but, they, but, but, but they never, of course, would, would think about or translate their friendship into sex. These are Gus and Claw, and they do. You know, it, but you realize when, you, when, when you're looking at them how easy it would have been for them simply to be intense, close masculine friends and not have a sexual relationship with a love affair. But they do. They cross that border and it seems to them the most natural thing in their lives and the one thing to cling to. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing to watch. You know, I mean, really, and it's, it's, it's lovely to hear your enthusiasm about this, which I think is, you know, it's nice to hear people being inspired. And I, and I do think the interesting thing is, you know, we wear many hats as individuals. And people put, you know, I don't know why people put such a stigma on, on being homosexual. What happens behind your closed doors is your business, and what happens behind my closed door is my business. And 
you know, I never quite, I never quite got that concept. You know, I think I was brought up a little differently. Um, I think it also frightens people. Now, why do you think that is, Margaret? What, why, why does it frighten people, especially like if, if someone's part of a? Well, I, I, I think, I think it, it must, it makes, it obviously makes the the male audience side or the people, the men that would go and see this movie, but who are saying to their their girlfriends or wives, "I'm not going to see a gay movie." Is it because they just wonder a little bit, bit maybe, about themselves? There you have. You know, does this this makes them uncomfortable because they think, you know, maybe they thought about going to that place or not? You know, excellent point. It might be. I mean, I also think, Margaret, that people are, frankly, frightened by the concept of a totally realized happiness. A totally and, realized what? And threatened by it. I mean. The truth is that most people make very serious compromises with life and accept it in, 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 in a potentially reluctant way. Uh, dealing, they don't have to be gay, dealing with any two people who are just totally happy and immersed with each other. Is all, frightening to other is, people. It's very frightening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know... They don't want to experience that. And see, one of the reasons why people read Hollywood um, uh, movie stuff, you know, the trash tabloid stuff that appears in the National Enquirer and all the, the clones imitate people and all the clones imitations of that, is because, and it's a very important point, it portrays wealthy, sexually attractive people in love with each other whose relationships with each other invariably and always fail. Okay. They are about to get a divorce. They are about to quarrel over over something. They are about to have a dispute over child custody. Um, he is in love with another woman. She is in love with another man. The, the key fact, and I, I can tell you this after 50 years of book publishing, because I've also published a lot of romantic fiction along with everything else, is that the key fact is that the people are wealthy, rich, maybe talented, very attractive, totally immersed in each other, and the love affair will fail. If the love affair doesn't fail, you don't have a story. If, 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 if every one of those relationships were happy, if Brad Pitt and X was right. a, a lifetime love affair, how would you sell supermarket magazines? They sell because the key to it is it doesn't work out in the end. You're better off. You are not as beautiful, you are not as wealthy, you are not as talented, but you don't have that heartbreak that each of these people has. So without the heartbreak, you don't have the story. And so it's very disturbing to people to observe those in whom the happiness is in fact complete. Mm-hmm. Where there is not going to be a heartbreak, there is not going to be a failure, there is not going to be a divorce. It's threatening. You know what? It, it, I think that is an extreme. You know, I never really looked at it that way. You know, I think oh, I, I looked at I like have more to say, than even that. I, Michael, am speechless. <laughs> <laughs> You're speechless, but it's true. <laughs> um, it it it's a very threatening total happiness. I mean, again, I I, 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 I use it as an example, but it's a, an excellent example and one that almost everybody recognizes. It's what makes everybody so crazy in Romeo and Juliet. It isn't just that one of them is a Montague and one of them is a Capulet. It's that, despite that, these people are so clearly, so obviously, so head over heels in love to the exclusion of every other rational emotion mm-hmm. that it's very upsetting and disturbing to everybody. Well, you know what, and I think, you know what, and you're right, I think that the thing is, there's very few people, A, that find something in their life that they so passionately want to, to, to go after, of course, um, hell or high water. Of course, and no, you're you, you are 100% right because half the people sit in apathy. Most people are afraid to try new things for themselves. You know, the biggest the biggest thing people are, you know you talk to, and this is a horrible example, but you talk to some woman that was you know a battered wife, and you say, well, why did you stay in her for ten years? She said, well, because she knew every Friday night she was going to get the hell beaten out of her. Right. And right. It, it, it's it, it's it's. I mean, I think that. I have no idea because I have to confess, even though we, i.e. Simon, our sister publishers, Annie Pooh, I have not read any Pooh short story on which Brokeback Mountain is based. 
um, uh, even though I have loved some of her books. Um, but I think that that it certainly in the movie it captures the really threatening feeling for other people of a relationship between two people that is totally and completely successful and happy. Wow. We're all speechless. You know, truly. I mean, but but it's true. true, I know. But it's true. It's like making yourself look in the mirror. And what do you you see? Either why don't I have that, or could I have had that and it didn't work, or, you know, but but to, to be confronted with two people, particularly when the odds are so against them, they're both cowboys, Right, it was completely contra to who they should be as people, although who they are as people is exactly who they should be. The only difference is whom they choose to love. That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah, in like absolutely. a self-actualized way. It's a, absolutely. It's, you know, there's a moment in the movie where one of the cowboys, I can't remember their names, so I'm not going to do that, but one of them comes to visit the other in this sort of rundown. And that's the other thing about the movies. It shows the West as it really is today, you know, with the rundown trailer parks and the rusty trailers and the little towns that are dying, uh, and the beautiful landscape. It's the contrast between those two things. And, and he waits outside in the cold, you know, and his friend, his wife says, why don't you invite him in um, for a cup of coffee? And the guy thinks for a moment, he says, he's from Texas. And she says, I think they drink coffee in Texas. <laughs> Not this Texan, but that's because it's the unbridgeable. He, they can't bring themselves to have one of them come in and sit down and have a cup of coffee. It just isn't possible for them. Um, and because what they've got is, they know that it's instantly recognizable. As, you know, you won't, we always know with people who love each other that it's instantly recognizable. You know, you see them in the French is on coup de food, or you see them sitting there, and you say, oh, my God, those two people are in love. They shouldn't be. They're married to somebody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever. Right. They're, they're both men, or they're both women. But you see it in the face, and you know it's there. Right. But it's threatening to a lot of people. Right. Well, because it makes them take a look. Like Margaret said, you know, I think it takes a look, and we need to, unfortunately, wrap this up a little bit, but... You know, like what Margaret was saying is, first of all, it makes people take a look at themselves and say, wow, do I have feelings? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, it's... I think perhaps you're right. It's also frightening because it does make us look at ourselves. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Am I really happy where I am? Because, you know, when you, when you come out of a, you know... Like when I came when I came out of Schindler's List, for example, my I think my thing was like I am so grateful. Right. I am so grateful, and boy, do I wish I could have done something more, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then you start looking around your life and thinking, oh my God, you know, I better hurry up and tell the people that I'm most grateful for how grateful to how grateful how one is. <laughs> you know, because you feel like it's just like, oh my God, it's going to run away. I realize I'm grateful now. The great, you know, now the good stuff's going to go away. And and how and how truly fortunate we are. Um, and speaking of truly fortunate, <laughs> I'm going to. You know, we could just talk for. See, now look at look we at could this. Talk forever. Well, you know what you should do? Invite your listeners to mm-hmm. tell us what they would like us to talk about, because we can talk about just about anything that would interest them. But if we talk about what interests us forever, they'll eventually get bored. Um, I don't think so. Are you it would be lovely so? to know what would interest them. Captivating, but yes, what would interest you know uh, Michael and Margaret uh, and myself were talking earlier in the day, and I mean truly, they can talk on almost any topic, business related, socially related. You know, um, they're I want to say this properly. You know, they're mature adults, so they've they've seen life, and you know. God, Michael has has been, uh, you know, you're, you're the editor's editor, and you've launched careers. You've seen people, um, you know, in the, the the good times and the bad times. You've gone through good times and bad times. And I think, you know, and Margaret has, uh, like I said, you're one of the most definite people. Like you're just, you're just absolutely and positively such a definite person. And I think you strive, you are where people strive to be. I think one can, if you want something and you want to do something, you can do it. Amen. I've always thought that, haven't you? I, you know what? I, I do. I, you know, I'm very, very fortunate because my, I think my parents totally raised me, you know, don't bother looking over your shoulder, kid, because I'm right behind you. Right. And, right. you know, they, they always taught me that. 
It's an illusion. The tight wire is an illusion. If you fall and there's no net, there's also really no, like, there's no concrete. You're not going to fall and break yourself. Get back up. The worst thing to do is live in the, you know, live with the fact that you didn't try something. Because someone has to make it. Why not you? Regret. Yeah. No, never say what it should have I'll have to send you, as soon as I can, my book about the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, in which I took part. Because, I mean, that's a, that's a demonstration of walking into something without a net. I believe very strongly that you shouldn't have a net and that um, you have to do what you want to do and then take the consequences. Yeah. Whatever they may be, they may be very happy. They may not be very happy, but I, I'm not a believer in nets. Yeah, no, I, thank you. I agree. And you know what? Because at the end of the day, you know, you can fix everything in life but death. And then yeah. who really knows about that? <laughs> so, God, I don't want to let you kids go. I guess... Let me just, I have one question, if you don't mind, Michael, to ask of you. Um, so you, you, you retired, pseudo-retired, I think this is sort of like a, <laughs> like a bad word. We need to find a... Um, but, but, okay, so, so how, how does Simon & Schuster, you know, send off their editor-in-chief of 47 years? Well, they gave me a huge party at the Four Seasons in New York, which was lovely and glamorous, and gave me a beautiful Patek Philippe watch, which I happen to be wearing at this very moment. Ooh. Um, and, but most important of all, um, I remain the editor of Mary higgins Clark, David McCullough, Stephen Hunter, G- James Lee Burke, Michael Beschloss, and Henry Kissinger, and Larry McMurtry. So um, I will continue to be doing what I um, have done for 47 years, but just not going into meetings. Wow. Wow. How bad is it? I mean, that's, that's, okay, look at that, kids. 47 years, you two can have a fully petite watch and a very glamorous <laughs> send-off that's all an illusion. Now, you know, Brandy, <laughs> he could do a whole hour on watches because he collects them. Do you? I yes. Published, I published a whole book about it, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so knowledgeable on the subject um, that people's eyelids close as I open my mouth. <laughs> No, no, no. Our listening audience, I have to say, stop, stop, stop. Our big watch, I mean, I happen to be a watch addict, our big watch addicts, because that's today, that's men's jewelry. Yes. It's a watch, and that's yes, sort of like your personal signature. And it was watch. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, definitely over the past 10 years, it's become, like, very, very strong again. I think for a while it wasn't, and people were very boring just having their silly Rolexes. And, and today they have their own little, you know, there's a lot of lovely companies that are coming up and a lot of classic companies. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a whole huge industry. We could talk about it endlessly. I would love to. But we, what we need to know is we, we, we need to know what your listeners want to hear about. Okay. So you guys, you have homework and you have a challenge. Yeah. And, uh, you definitely, folks, you definitely need to send us an email, okay? Send it to production at webmasterradio.fm or you could send it to Randy at webmasterradio.fm and uh, again, send those ideas in because um, you know, Margaret and Michael, again, just just like Randy was, was saying, you know, you guys have such a wealth of, of knowledge and, and life in you and you're so engaging. That's that's the other thing is, you know, part of, of, of you know, doing what we're doing right now is, you know, like I, I see people sitting in the chat room, they're just like, wow, you know, uh, you know, there's there's um, a gentleman who is actually a part of the uh, the promo that's airing nationwide. That's sitting in the chat room right now, and um, you know, like like they're truly engaged and captivated by what you ha- what you have to say. And uh, so, I, I definitely you know encourage you folks to send your emails in. Let us know what you'd like to hear, and, and I think that would also you know give the feedback uh, that you guys would like to hear. Absolutely. Just remember the immortal words of Elvis Presley when he was drafted. Keep those cards and letters coming in, because it's a long way from Nashville to Berlin. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, folks, I, I want to thank you for tuning in. Michael and Margaret, you, you, you guys are just awesome. And thank you so much you for, for you know, you being for a part of Brandy's again. birthday this week. That was so awesome. And happy birthday. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then you're also, you're, you're the, you guys are the, the birthday gift that keeps on giving, because I'm... I'm I'm looking forward uh, to uh, to us with a show, and I'm looking at that as my, my, my birthday gift. So thank you again, Michael and Margaret Corda. For those of you, um, we will be 
back next week with Rainmaker, and our featured guest will be Keith Ferrazzi, the networking guru. Over 10,000 contacts in his book. Uh, he looks as Michael Milken is his personal mentor. He's also a best-selling author, and uh, we will have Keith Ferrazzi on, our friend. So good night, and thank you again to the Cordes. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao for now.